beginning of the summer retreat. And uh, uh, also, the night I give my message for the year. And I was looking so forward to the retreat. It looked like we we're going to have uh, people able to stay in the ashram and so on. <clears throat> now things have worked out differently. But um, as Epictetus would say, don't sweat it. <laughs> He'd say, be stoic. And so uh, we continue on. Things come, things go, things change. Things don't work out just the way we want, and yet we have to keep moving in the right direction. And uh, uh, my message is very much about that. But what I also do on the night that I, I give my message is I use it to look back on the year and pick a few uh, what I think of as highlights from the talks and satsangs we've had over the last year. Uh, these are by no means uh, the, the best uh, ones particularly, but they're very good ones. And so uh, let's look at a few of those before we go to the next part. And I should begin, as I always like to begin, by quoting my great guru, Swami Muktananda, who began every program by saying in Hindi, Sabko Varisanmane Kesat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would say that's the essence of spirituality, to welcome another person with love. And so love is the cornerstone of satsang, love is the cornerstone of spirituality, and love is the guide to leading a good life. So in that spirit, I want to welcome, welcome you all. So the first bit from, from the year is uh, from Swami Shivananda of Rishikesh. There he is. A formidable figure, a great teacher. He lived in Rishikesh. He'd been a doctor early in his life. Uh, and he's notable because uh, his teaching is very vital very enthusiastic and very action-oriented. And he's always uh, calling on everyone to um, do more. So here's a question and answer with Shivananda. Question, it seems like the goal of sadhana is so far off as to be unrealistic. Is it really worth it? And that's like uh, waving a red flag in front of a bull, question like that. And Swami Shivananda says, you can realize God consciousness this very moment, but you must have intense longing for attaining God consciousness. So the variable is mumakshutva, the longing for the divine. He says, you must have firm self-determination. I will realize today. Great G statement. All right, let's do it. I will realize today. Come on, like this, you have to do this. I will realize today. All right, I like it. He goes on, you must carefully watch how far you've succeeded in this practice in the morning meditation. You must keep up the practice while walking, talking, eating, and so on. If you fail in your evening meditation, you must exert to get at it in your morning meditation. 
you must practice self-analysis as well. Remember, you are the physician for yourself. You are your own savior. Nobody can save you from this ocean of worldly existence. Even God cannot do anything in this matter. Everything runs on well-established laws. Don't become a fatalist. Rely on your own self. Have right exertion. Fatalism will bring on wholesale inertia and tamasic darkness. Right exertion is itself the essence of the Lord. Destiny is only the exertion, right or wrong, of your previous births. So that's Swami Shivananda. It's wonderful about fatalism. Fatalism is actually a voice inside of us that says, what's the use? What's the use? Everything's determined. I heard that in the middle of my sadhana. I thought, what's the use? Everything is uh, preordained to be disastrous. So don't be fatalistic. Instead, right exertion. Do something. Move in the right direction. <clears throat> it's very good. It's a very vital guru to have uh, him as a guru. I have another vital guru, and that is our second, my vital guru, Baba Muktananda, uh, one of the greatest beings uh, of any time or space. Question, Baba, how can I attain the self? Baba said, Yanishwar describes meditation this way. <clears throat> and of course, Baba was a great uh, devotee of Yanishwar Maharaj, uh, who's a medieval Maharashtrian saint, boy saint, uh, very brilliant. Anyway, Yanishwar says, one fuels the furnace of self-inquiry by hearing about the self, contemplating the self, and thinking only of the self. One burns up the impurities of the non-self <clears throat> in the fire of knowledge and thus purifies the self. In reality, of course, the self is eternally pure. However, by burning the impurities and karmas created by the duality of the 36 tattvas, one extracts the gold of the self through the knowledge of the truth. The, uh, the duality of the 36 tattvas, of course, in Kashmir Shaivism, uh, they talk about 36 tattvas or levels of creation. And these are the creation of the material world from highest consciousness down to the most material world. So that's the world of duality. And by meditating on the self, we save ourselves from this world of duality. <clears throat> Sri Krishna told Arjuna, Baba says, that some seekers see the self in the self through knowledge of the self. Others see the self through the path of devotion, through the contemplation, others through the contemplation of Samkhya and Vedanta, two great ancient philosophies, or through karma yoga, service, performed selflessly with the attitude of service. And Baba puts in a, 
and the side service is a sublime form of meditation, knowledge, and yoga, and one should understand its mystery. <clears throat> it's a deep mystery in service. Um, and to me, service, uh, guru seva, service to human beings, service to God, service to guru, is perhaps the highest path. And service means that you dedicate your life to supporting that highest principle. And when you do that, everything will come to you. Baba says, Lord Krishna said that in this way people attain God by different means and are saved from drowning in the ocean of suffering. See, he talks about, I was thinking about the ocean of suffering. All the scriptures talk about the ocean of samsara. And why is it that, uh, that suffering and maya and worldliness is seen as an ocean? I don't think the ancient Indians liked the ocean too much. They weren't big swimmers, I guess. And uh, they didn't like traveling on the ocean. You don't hear about India traveling and conquering foreign countries and establishing an empire. You don't hear that at all. Uh, but so the ocean of samsara... It's like the, the delusion of the world. The attraction and the delusion of the world is seen as this ocean which you can drown in. And you need to have a life raft to cling to. So that's Baba. Uh, the next one <coughs> is from the Yoga Vashishta. And there we see Lord Ram being taught by his guru Vashishta. The Yoga Vashishta is a great text, medieval text, uh, which is uh, a combination of, you could say, Vedanta and Kashmir Shaivism, very high wisdom text. And uh, it's the kind of thing you read a page and you're gone in meditation. <clears throat> so this is a, a conversation with Vashishta's teaching Lord Ram. Vashishta's taking telling him about a meeting he, Vashishta, had with Lord Shiva. And Lord Shiva gave him a teaching. And Lord Shiva said, Do you know who God is? God is not Vishnu or Shiva or Brahma. This is Shiva talking, he says it's not Shiva. Uh, nor the wind, the sun, or the moon. Not the Brahman, nor the king, nor I, nor you not Lakshmi, the goddess, nor the mind and intellect. Well, what is God then? He says, God is without form and undivided. That splendor which is not made and which has neither beginning nor end is known as God or Lord Shiva, which is pure consciousness. Now, God didn't have a beginning and it has no end. There never was a time when God was not. Very hard to put our head around it, but then it's very hard to put our head around that which is infinite and all-knowing and all-powerful. <clears throat> he says, it's, it's pure consciousness. That alone is to be worshipped, and that alone is all. So Yoga Vashishta says, like Shaivism, like Advaita Vedanta, that the basic stuff of the universe 
is not matter but consciousness, and that matter is an expression within consciousness, but consciousness is the basic stuff of the universe. Vishishta <clears throat> goes on, indeed, only the infinite consciousness, which is a translation of Chittakash. You'll remember that Bhagavan Nityananda's book has been called the Chittakash Gita, the sky of consciousness. Uh, indeed, only the infinite consciousness, the Chittakash, which alone exists after the cosmic dissolution, after the world is recalled, then only the Chittakash exists. It exists even now, utterly devoid of objectivity. Pure subject. It is I am, aham. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it is one and it says I am. All the mountains, the whole world, the heavens, the self, the individual souls, and all the elements of which the world is const constituted all these are nothing but pure consciousness. Before the so-called creation, only pure consciousness existed. To a Westerner, that's a, a big stretch. How can that be? How can that be? On the other hand, what's a better explanation? Because you'd have to explain how consciousness came into being. This is what uh, Western science and philosophy can't do. So it may as well assume that consciousness always was. He goes on, even as the duality experience in dream is illusory, the duality implied in the creation of the world is illusory. Just as objects in a dream seem real, but only exist in dream consciousness, so objects in the outer world seem real but actually exists in consciousness, even in the waking state. Everything is held in awareness. Everything is consciousness, is what Yoga Vashishta and Kashmir Shaivism is saying. Nothing really happens in both these states. Even as consciousness alone is the reality in the dream state, consciousness alone is a substance in the wakeful state too. That is the Lord, that is the supreme truth. That you are, that am I, and that is all. <clears throat> I was so gripped by this teaching that consciousness was the underlying reality that I contemplated all the time. When I was in the ashram, I just uh, thought about it all the time, tried to, I said, this is, this is a profound mystery, and it, breaks my brain, it switches my point of view 180 degrees completely. And so what is the meaning of it? And I used to sit and uh, meditate, and sometimes I didn't even want to meditate, I just wanted to think about uh, what, what this was. What is this consciousness? And what is the meaning of this consciousness being eternal? And was there before the creation, before the Big Bang? as it were, and is there after the dissolution of the universe, after the sun cools down and uh, everything falls apart, consciousness still is. What was that? And it's uh, something to contemplate, something to contemplate. But I'll tell you one person who understood
consciousness, and that is our next speaker, Bhagwan Nityananda. <clears throat> and here's his take on it. A notes from the Chittakash. Some people write notes from the tea shop, others notes from the Chittakash. <clears throat> here's what Bhagwan Nityananda said. The subtle state the omnipresent universal force is the same in everything and is the same everywhere. What we were just calling consciousness, the self, the subtle, he's calling the subtle state, the omnipresent universal force, the same everywhere. There is no distinction between the moving and the still. There is difference only in causation. Difference is delusion. Differences in the body. The body is transient. To see the subtle in the gross is liberation. To see the consciousness behind the matter, to see the oneness behind the change is liberation, not to be caught in, in the material. He says, liberation is indivisible. Liberation is in the sky of the heart. In the heart is the Shivalinga, self-existent, the chief prana, the upward breath, the prana vayu. This is pure Bhagwan Nityananda. So what is it, this eternal, this, this uh, eternal thing, the Shivalinga in the heart? Uh, the highest prana, the life force, the upward movement, the upward movement towards the divine, <clears throat> the upward breath, the prana vayu. The prana is the one, is the one in all. To those who practice and see, it is the one. For those who do not practice, there is only bondage of desire. If you don't do the practice, if you don't walk the path, then you'll never understand anything. You'll just be caught in desire and fear. That's the whole of it. But if you do the practice, and it has to do with the breath, it has to do with the life force, and we're gonna be doing, in this retreat, we're gonna be doing the practice of the Humsa mantra, and I'll get to that tomorrow night. We'll start to talk about that. Bhagwan says, withdraw the desires and attain liberation in this life. Realize the one principle, which is consciousness. Turn the eye inward and see the truth. Don't get caught in the externals, but turn it inward. One who's turned the mind inward is the true Purusha, the true self. The universe is in him and he is in the universe. The mind, when involved in the world, cannot be steady. The mind that turns outward, involved with this and that and the other thing, can never be steady. But what does that mean, to be steady? Not just concentrated, it means can never be happy, can never be satisfied. That mind that's involved only in externals is miserable. He says, the Shiva in the heart is steady is one, is Om. 
If you want steady wisdom, sthitta pragna, if you want steady wisdom, you have to turn within. There, at last, the mind finds rest. So those are some of the highlights of, uh, of the year. I could have done you know, three times that amount. There's such good stuff that we looked at. We're so blessed to have the company of these great beings. But now it's time for the message for 2022. I saw uh, uh, Joe Biden said that the message for 2020. <clears throat> but at least that much I know that what year this is. <laughs> 2022. <clears throat> Spiritual life is about waking up. And what are we waking up from? The ocean. <laughs> In scriptural terms, it's the sleep or dream of samsara. Samsara means living in a world that is mundane and mundane only, with no higher reference or purpose at all. This is samsara. <clears throat> I like to think some sorrow. It's some sorrow. It's just getting through the day and getting your crust of bread and, you know. <clears throat> now, this is the modern scientific world, this samsara, no, no higher purpose. And it's the, intense, the world of intense rationalism that's completely skeptical that that might be a higher reality. That the, the, the normal view of the West is there's no higher reality just science. <clears throat> and this is the world that many of us, maybe most of us, were born into. It's certainly the world that I grew up in. And my parents were wonderful people, and they only wished good things for me. Uh, but these were limited to a nice career, comfortable living, a good wife, a few children, and good health. That's not bad. Uh, and they surely also wanted me to find happiness. Uh, but to find happiness, there was no path, no method, no deep thought about it. Maybe if I got the things I just mentioned, then happiness would come along for the ride. Uh, but then in the midst of living that life, something happened to me. Uh, <clears throat> and I think it's happened to everybody who's watching in Radio Land. Hi, everyone in Radio Land, and everyone in the room, uh, to some degree or other. I began to wake up. And as Ramdas used to say, we're all waking up. We've been in the sleep of samsara. We're waking up. Waking to what? To another possibility. So here's my message for 2022. That's very dramatic, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't want to do it that way. Anyway. Cherish your awakening. Cherish your awakening. The awakening I'm speaking of is not just another mundane event in your life. Trace the thread of awakening in your life. You know what I'm talking about. When you went from one vision to discovering something more. 
that awakening process. Uh, uh, this is very special, it's very important. It's the beginning of a new direction and a very necessary direction. It has to do with absolute values. In fact, it has to do with God. However, it's very easy to forget how important this awakening is. Maya, the cosmic illusion, in the form of any number of things. Maya comes just the way in Christianity they talk about how Satan comes in all these different forms. And you have to say, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, Maya comes in all these forms and deflects us away from remembering our awakening. We get caught up. We get our priorities messed up. We forget that our essence, our purpose, is to be spiritual beings and to know the self. That's what we were born for and that's what our highest good is. Now I've been in spiritual life um, directly for more than 50 years and I have seen everything. I've seen more than everything. I've seen how easy it is to lose one's grip on one's yoga or on one's practice. People that I did sadhana with years ago at Baba's feet, I looked around and I thought, there are going to be so many great beings. This is just, Baba's shakti is just enveloping everyone. I thought they'd certainly become great. And suddenly, for no reason, they went off in a different direction. So cherish your awakening. As uh, was it Swami Shivananda said, uh, no one will cherish your awakening for you. You have to do it. You have to make that a priority. Never let it become ordinary or minor. Whether your awakening was like Baba's, like uh, an explosion of cosmic consciousness, or something slower and more gradual and less spectacular. <clears throat> Sometimes the awakening takes place in the presence of the guru, maybe at an intensive. Sometimes the first awakening takes place in your living room when you're watching the evening news. I got recently heard from a number of people who have just had a spontaneous awakening in their living room or something like that for no reason. Well, God can strike at any time. You never know. <clears throat> Whenever that, that awakening started or took place, remember that it was an impulse, an impulse that reached down to you from the divine. We call it the spanda principle, the, the energy, the vibration of the divine. Suddenly, nothing else in your world can match it. It comes from above. Every day, think about your awakening, your path, your goal and the guru. Think about that. As, as Gurdjieff used to say, remember why you came. That's what he meant. He meant cherish your awakening. Why did you come? Because the, the awakening has started. And so every time Maya comes in and you forget it, go back to it and remember it. Refresh yourself. Cherish your awakening by meditating every day, by attending satsang, by repeating the mantra, by reading spiritual books, by hanging out with spiritual people, 
In Chief of Process terms, the best way to cherish your awakening is to prioritize your good state, your peace, your joy, your love, and your connection to the Shakti, the higher power. Follow the upward shift. Spandakarika says, I will surely do whatever it says, that, that upward shift, that Shakti, that Spanda principle, I will follow it. There's an old song, I will follow you. Well, it's not to go. I will follow you. So you have to say that to the Spanda principle. I will follow the upward shift. I will follow that. <clears throat> I don't have to tell you, this is the most difficult and strangest and most testing period in recent memory. If you haven't lived through a world war, I don't think there's anything that can compare to what we've been through the last couple of years. <clears throat> and just when the pandemic seems to be lessening, it flares up again and nobody knows how it will play out. We all hope that it will normalize and diminish. But whatever happens, we should remember that it's God's play and the divine is always in control. We should be very practical and intelligent how we live, live our lives and how we deal with the pandemic. And we should frame, but we should frame everything in a divine context. Don't leave God out of it. Let your awakening lead you. Neither money, nor fame, nor success, nor romance, nor pleasure should run you. Let your awakening lead you. On the, other, on the other hand, no pandemic, no worldly failure, no illness, no bad fortune, no political stance or opinion should ever become strong enough to make you forget that you're a spiritual being and your main business is to grow spiritually. So cherish your awakening. Don't forget about it. Keep it front and center. Define your life in its terms. I believe absolutely that there's a hidden stream of grace available to everyone. Rich, poor, old or young, black or white, man or woman. It is available under all conditions and at all times. And we should stand in that stream of grace. Put ourselves in that stream of grace. As Baba would say, dance in that stream of grace. And it's actually a choice that we can make. <clears throat> and so as Krishna said to Arjuna, be a yogi and commit to that choice moment to moment. Because it's not just one choice, it's a number it's an infinite number of choices in every moment. Every moment is a choice point. And you can choose to move towards the divine, towards the shakti, or get lost in some other thing. And this is what Baba taught us. And this is the teaching of the Guru. So I'm terrified of waking. Sadhguru Nat. Ah, no, that was quite dramatic, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's meditate. <laughs> and uh, we'll meditate for 10 minutes.
you can meditate on your awakening. Think about it a little bit. Where did it start? Maybe you got to an intensive and you experienced Shaktipat. But how did you get to that intensive? What series of things? It was all the same movement, the same movement of the universe, the movement of grace in the universe that started to be heard by you. It was always there, but unheard, unseen. And then suddenly you started hearing it. And one thing led to another. And, that's the, and as I say, it's the most important thing that we have, is that awakening, that, that connection. So think about that. Where did that start? And where did it come on strong? When did it really, that Shaktipat, that awakening, hit most? And remember it. And stay in its uh, slip screen, stream, whatever. Be in the flow of that awakening, because it's still with us. Whatever happened to awaken you is still with you, if you tune yourself to it. So let's meditate now. And once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satguru Nath Maharaj Ki Jai. We'll meditate for 10 minutes. <laughs> 